Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants, and Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 231. Thank you so much for everyone that has been rocking with me, that has been rolling with me and continues to listen and come back every week. And if you're new, welcome to the show. This is the show where we talk about all the things happening in the greater world of Apple and then also maybe how it connects to the greater world of tech. So thank you so much for coming out and hanging out. We got some stories about, yes, of course, the iPhone 14. We have some interesting, um, maybe some anti-Apple campaigns from Google that you want to find out about and then plenty because, good goodness, Samsung just released their entire fall lineup of phones and earbuds and watches. And so we'll talk about those and then maybe how Apple will respond based on what they have coming down the pipeline. Now, we all know this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee, the 10, the 25, or the $100 platinum Apple level. And what do you get? Early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. Plus, we got a killer Close Your Rings competition going on right now for our Patreon supporters. I think we are almost at 40 people deep competing to win a chance at Apple employee only Close Your Ring Fitness Plus Challenge Towels. It's like a three towel set. It's really cool. And then, you know, we do a monthly live stream that we hang out at, plus a lot of other little things here and there. So if you want to support, it goes towards all my content and this podcast, patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. Okay, let's jump into the show. And we're going to talk iPhone first because now we're starting to see iPhone, iPhone, iPhone 14, 14 Pro, 14 Max, 14 Pro Max. I'm not going to do the whole deep dive and spend 20 minutes of going through every feature and thing that we know right now because if you've been listening and you've been paying attention and a lot of you are like insiders of this stuff and you listen to it all the time, why do you want to hear the same stuff? So I like to at least give some of the latest things. And then maybe when we get to that like week right before the products are expected to be announced, then we'll really deep dive into everything that we know. But I think I feel like right now we know about 85% of what to expect with the new iPhone lineup. The one thing we didn't expect, though, really, is the latest report from Ming-Chi Kuo, who says and claims that Apple plans to increase the prices of their iPhone 14 Pro models compared to the iPhone 13 Pro models of last year. Now, right now, the 13 Pro starts at $999. The 13 Pro Max starts at $1,099. And what he's suggesting is that the new 14 Pro could start at $1,099, while the new 14 Pro Max could start at $1,199. Now, the exact price increase remains to be seen it remains to be seen if this happens but reportedly due to the fact that there's 
I think the big narrative or the big story around the iPhone lineup this year is the fact that Apple's going to really do their best to try and make a real distinction between the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Pro lineup. You're going to have, for the first time, an iPhone 14 and an iPhone 14 Max, which has a 6.7-inch screen for the first time. And then you're going to have an iPhone 14 Pro and an iPhone 14 Pro Max, which is expected to have things like a more updated display, a new generation processor, faster RAM, potentially an always-on display. There's a lot of little like nuggets here and there. Oh, the pill-shaped camera cutout rumored for the 14 Pro replacing the notch while the 14 could reportedly keep the notch. You know, there's a lot of different things. Maybe a, a better camera, an upgraded 48 megapixel rear camera with 8K recording for the iPhone 14 Pro versus the 14 model. Maybe an increase of storage. 256 starting from the Pro up from 128 in the previous years. This is all not officially officially confirmed, but these are the things that we're hearing. And now, all of a sudden, we're hearing, hey, the price specifically for the Pro models might also go up as well. There's also reports that, hey, uh, you know, we don't know what to expect inventory-wise, numbers-wise, sales-wise for the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro. I do think I could be completely wrong, and I'll be the first one to say this. You know, Apple's planning and ramping up and not expecting sales to change, sales demand to change, and they're asking their suppliers to ramp up to make 90 million, roughly 90 million iPhone 14 models which is on par with what they did manufacturing-wise with the iPhone 13. And at least in 2022, Apple's expected to manufacture approximately 220 million iPhones total. So, you know, they expect strong demand. The thing about this is that, and the 90 million units that I'm referencing in production and manufacturing is based on at the current time of this year, versus the current time of last year with the iPhone 14. That's where manufacturing is at. And then approximately 220 million will be produced and manufactured in 2022, which is also lines up with what we saw in 2021. But I wanted to get back for a second and, and say that I would not be surprised because of everything that's happening with the economy. And yes, people like to get the iPhone, but when you look at some of the differences that we've seen from the iPhone 13 to the iPhone 14, I think this is one of those years that most consumers, if you want to be smart about things, A, not everyone upgrades year to year, but those people that are upgrading year to year, this might be one of those strong years to hold off if you're going from a 13 Pro to 14 Pro, if you're going from a 13 to a 14. I think this is one of those years, and I think because of the way the economy is shaping up and because there are rumblings and talk that we are headed towards a recession, the housing market is cooling, there's a lot of indicators that are telling us that people will not be spending the same amount of money this year and beyond for probably the next year and a half versus uh, last year, right? We're hearing companies cut back on hiring, companies cutting jobs across the board, especially in the tech sector. So I would not be surprised if the iPhone 14, at least this first quarter of sales, may not necessarily match up. Now, we know that every year, Apple says we have record best sales in this quarter. Every year, year over year. I'm saying that in 2022 for the iPhone sales, 
I think they'll either be flat or maybe slightly under. I think Apple projected that they would be slightly over and continue growth. But, you know, I, I look around, I talk to people, I see the comments that you all are making on my YouTube videos, and I just don't feel like there is nearly enough of the same energy that we've seen in past years around the 14 going from a 13. And of course, you're going to always have the people in the upgrade cycle that if you're on that, maybe that iPhone 8, iPhone 10 year, you're you're ready to make the jump. But I even would argue iPhone 11, <laughs> that is still a great, great phone. Once they brought in the triple camera setup, these phones have been really, really good. And there hasn't been that need to say, oh, okay, now's the time to upgrade. Now, come back to me with the iPhone 15. If they redesign it and they do a few new things, that that seems to be the one, the 2023 iPhone that will finally reportedly get USB-C. That would be the most kind of that next feeling like, oh, we're making a, we're definitely making a jump here. So I'm not saying Apple is failing. I'm saying that based on the market dynamics and the economy, I don't know and I don't think that we'll be able to match the same sales from iPhone 14 uh, first quarter of sales versus iPhone 13s. We'll see if that changes, but um, I don't think I'm going out on a big limb, but I, I think it's the reality that we, we're facing. Now, we talked about the iPhone keeping up with demand and manufacturing units because they expect them to sell just as well. Guess what other product Apple is still trying to keep up with? The new M2 MacBook Air. Demand for that continues to be high. The notebook is still in relatively short supply. Even for just the baseline configuration right now, customers are facing up to a three-week wait, according to Apple's online store. If you check it out, I know some friends. You know, I talked about that guy, Alex, who's been legitimately harassing me, like harassing me, messages me arguably every day, thinks he's my friend. I don't know. I don't know. I just let him message me. <laughs> Kidding, Alex. But um, he finally got his M2 MacBook Air. He loves it, and it's also a smudgy fingerprint magnet. But he loves it, and it still looks good, but that Midnight is a smudgy fingerprint magnet. You know, Apple let me review the Starlight version, um, and I it's growing on me a lot, and I still love the Midnight. I wish there was some sort of, like, oleophobic coating they could have put on that Midnight, but no matter what, it's a dark service. It's just going to show. It's just the way it is. But it still looks real nice. It's just pull it, just like wipe it down every time you're done using it, and you'll always have the cleanest looking laptop until you don't. So, M2 MacBook Airs, the configurations shipping out around two to three weeks. So demand is still high, and that would align with what I had said when two years ago, or maybe it was even a, uh, how about at least a year and a half ago, I said this new M2 MacBook Air or whatever the new MacBook Air would be, would be Apple's best-selling computer of the year. I think it's going to deliver that. I just think it will. Also, what we're hoping to get delivered, something new in the Apple Watch space. You know, we've been kind of begging and drooling for some kind of confirmation that we'd get some new sensors. Well, a recent patent granted for a temperature sensor suitable for the Apple Watch just weeks before we're expected to see Apple unveil it, because right, September's coming up, that early first half, second or third week of September is when we expect to see new announcements from Apple. So we're basically like a month away. According to this revealed granted patent spotted by My Healthy Apple, shout out to My Healthy Apple, 
It was filed with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It is titled Temperature Gradient Sensing in Electronic Devices. And while the wording of this could mean that this temperature sensor could apply to really any device, the only device depicted in the patent's illustrations were the Apple Watch. Therefore, potentially hinting at which new sensor we could get and obviously what they have in mind for using this technology. We just saw, I'll talk about it a little later, Samsung's Galaxy Watch 5 and Watch 5 Pro also just added a skin temperature sensor into it. I'm waiting to get the review units. And I, you know, Samsung's Watch 5, I think the biggest thing going for it, it has the most health sensors on a watch. It has body uh, composition to get directly on the watch. It has blood oxygen, heart rate, skin temperature. It has all those. Blood pressure. So the thing about that is I think some people argue about how accurate are these things. Look, no matter what, the Apple Watch and the Samsung Galaxy Watch, these sensors are good enough to give us good enough clear data to make assessments based on this data. But they're not going to be Su- you know, as 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 super accurate as maybe some of those you know higher end devices that are actually used in medical facilities, but they're they're bringing us enough information that can spot and generalize ten trends. You know, you have ECG and everything like that. That's important. So, skin temperature or body temperature sensor in the new Apple Watch would be welcome. We know that their sleep tracking is going to get a whole lot more advanced with Watch OS. Nine is yeah, watch OS nine sometimes like I gotta keep up with the numbers. So that's something to look forward to, but there are no guarantees, there are no more promises. And we'll talk about the watch a little more later in the show because I think that Samsung did something interesting that makes me think about what's going on with the Apple Watch. Also, AirPods, if you haven't heard this one, expected to switch to USB C for charging alongside the iPhone. 15 in 2023. So this is a report from analyst Ming-Chi Kuo. It reinforces the fact that don't don't wait for this year. Circle your calendars. 2023 appears to be the year that Apple finally ditches lightning and adopts USB-C. I would give them a round of applause, but they don't deserve it right now. And they will not get a round of applause when they implement it because it's been so freaking long. And we all understand why they've kept lightning, the business reasons, the implications for it, but it still feels lame. Can't wait to transfer those potential 48 megapixel photos and 8K video files over not-so-reliable AirPlay or a lightning cable. Can't wait. As a creator, a content creator, can't wait for that. All right, another big thanks to our sponsor, Indeed, for sponsoring the AppleBits XL podcast. Now, we are driven by what ifs. So what if hiring didn't have to be so hard? What if finding someone great could be as easy as asking them to apply? What if your dream hiring platform already exists? The answer is you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. 
Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment that they sponsor a job according to Indeed data in the U.S. Even better, guys and gals, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. So join more than three million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Now, one of the things that really stands out about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place really easy with one of their features that's called assessments. So Indeed helps star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tests, ranging from cooking all the way to coding, Indeed assessments help take the stress out of the interview process. Your candidates get to prove themselves before the interview so that and you can both dive deeper into talking about what's important to you. Indeed assessments, you can select for the skills that matter to you most and you can add from a selection of over 100 hard and soft skills tests to your job post and home in on the candidates with the right skills faster. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash applebits. Offer a good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash applebits. Indeed.com slash applebits. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. And everybody, I I feel like that little catchphrase slogan, I put it out on my podcast for the first time, and I even said out loud, I just made them a dope slogan. And I think, I really do believe that they used it, because this is like the first time I read their campaign, like, it must have been two years ago, something wild like that. But it's actually a good service, and you're starting to see that ad everywhere. I'm just giving myself uh, credit. I believe I'm giving myself credit for the slogan, for the catchy slogan. That's all I'm saying. I think I did. But they'll never tell me. All right, let's catch up to some more Apple news. Have you been seeing uh, Apple One, their bundle, kind of uh, giving you the best of Apple all in one? That's like this little catchphrase. They're really pushing hard to be like, hey, guys and gals, sign up for the Apple One bundle of services. And Remember, I think I've been talking about it for like two years that, oh, I'm so close to doing that. And I've always been resistant because I've still stuck with Spotify. But I think it was uh, my lady needed more storage space for her photos. And you can share your iCloud drive with the Apple One family plan. It's like 200 gigs of storage. So about maybe three months ago, three or four months ago, I did sign up for Apple One. I signed up for the $19.95 per month plan so that you get... So let's go back here. The basic plan is $14.95 per month. That gives you 50 gigs of cloud storage, Apple Music for single account, Apple TV Plus, and Apple Arcade. Well, I use Apple Fitness. And so I'm like, hmm, I use Apple Fitness. I also use Apple News. I do need more cloud storage and Apple TV Plus this might be a little biased, but there's a show called Loot, and I've only mentioned it once before that Shauna, my fiance, is in the first episode of season one. For reals. Go check it out. So I might be biased. I mean, Apple TV Plus now has clearly has to be the best service out there. So because of all those things combined, Apple News Plus, Apple Fitness Plus, for me getting more iCloud space and using Apple TV Plus and sharing that storage with Shauna. 
I actually realized looking at this breakdown, I probably got the Apple One Premiere uh, price at thirty dollars, um, and gets one point eight terabytes of iCloud space. Actually, I'm pretty positive. So that storage can be shared between family members, and also it doesn't mean I'm looking at their photos. Like I don't, I don't see it. So I just, you know, I noticed that they're making a big push. They have like a little online. That's the first time that I can recall Apple doing an Apple One ad. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I think I'm right. Okay, another thing, if you talk about services, or maybe let's let's like talk about apps. So one of our fellow listeners and Patreons, Kirsty, messaged me and said, hey, Brian, can you explain what the story is where all these celebs are tweeting about the Apple and Android SMS messages back and forth, maybe in your next video? So I'm like, hey, how about I do it on the podcast here? So if you didn't notice, Google recently came out with a campaign, like really a publicity campaign, trying to let people know that, hey, Apple is still using, you know, an old antiquated messaging system, the MMS standards, instead of jumping into the modern RCS standard, which is a cross-platform messaging protocol meant to be the successor of SMS and MMS. But we know Apple likes to control and keep things tight to the chest. So literally, if you go to Google's website, they're pushing this campaign. You might even see videos online. It's called the Get the Message website. And it basically just lays out why Apple should support the new RCS standard. And, you know, Because if you don't right now, if someone on Android is in your group chat, it doesn't have the same smooth functionality. You can't even like video files kind of compress and send over crappier like photos and videos. I've noticed that. And it just becomes a pain in the butt until everyone is on board. So the thing is that Apple's messaging platform is still based on MMS and Google saying, hey, Apple, it's not that hard. You can just jump over to support RCS to make everything smooth and everything better for all parties involved. But here's the thing. You got to remember, not only... Did Apple kind of create that lock-in effect? I guess you call it a lock-in effect where green bubbles versus blue bubbles. And damn, that crap does work on some people who are like, yo, I it bothers me if I don't see blue bubbles. I'm like, are you really that shallow? Yes. Some people listening here right now, yes, you are that shallow. I know people that are that shallow. Do I, Does it really make a difference? No, but does, is it annoying when like someone throws up uh, an emoji reaction and then it's like spells it out in text of how someone reacted because they're the one with the Android phone. Okay, yeah, that is stupid. But, um, you know, first of all, Google pushing for RCS in the past, the new standard, it it was a little sluggish to kind of get, get rolling and get compatible across the board. But now, quite honestly, there are even Samsung switched over to using Google's own messages app with that is RCS compatible to kind of push this forward. But you have to remember... Apple specifically doesn't want to make the jump. I think it was in one of the cases where like there were emails that are that were exchanged between execs, like internal emails that actually outright said bringing iMessage to Android would hurt Apple more than help us. I mean, it was in the emails. There's nothing wrong per se about that, but that definitely tells you their mindset and their strategy that they don't care. And guess what? Messages 
just now in iOS 16, the ability to edit messages, the ability to delete messages once they've been sent. The blue bubbles are still there. You're getting more emojis and memojis. You're getting all these different things on their platform like SharePlay to to use apps and together and collaborate and it's it's all and all Apple really has to do is say let's be nice. Like in the game of competition, it's not up to Apple to be nice. Like for example, if you look at the other side, if Google happened to have the standard and have that ecosystem that everyone flocked to. And again, Android and Apple, depending on the country you use, people use different apps. So many people are screaming, yo, just use WhatsApp, guys. It's not that hard. Just use WhatsApp. It works across all standards. It has everything you need. It has the encryption. Just use WhatsApp, guys. Okay, fine. That's probably the right answer, quite honestly. But do you think Google would be like, oh, Apple, everyone's using our platform and our messaging and loves what we're doing. Yeah, we'll we'll help you guys out. We'll just open it up to everyone. No, they, I don't think they would. That's just, they just wouldn't. And if Apple's like, please, Google, use RCS. And Google's like, no, we're good. We're on MMS. That's just something that I just don't see happening. So Samsung has adopted that. Google's, you'll see more of it. And Kirstie's original message was, why is there so many celebrities promoting it it's because they're getting paid like vanessa hudgens from high school musical fame and wearing that incredible fire outfit at met gala i see you vanessa i'm not trying to holler at her i'm just saying that was impressive impressive vanessa um she's talking about rcs messaging against apple uh i'm 99 percent sure she probably uses an iphone but when you get paid probably 100k or more to put out a tweet you're probably gonna do it if you're a celebrity and it will not change anything i'm not all of a sudden all up in arms at apple because vanessa hudgens put out a tweet video about why apple is wrong and not jumping over to the rcs standard to benefit everyone should they yes of course they should are they going to no they're not not anytime soon i just don't think they are I just don't feel like they are, but Samsung did. And when I say Samsung, they just recently, this recent week, announced their entire lineup, their brand new foldables, the Z Fold 4, which is the larger screen foldable, the Z Flip 4, which is like their clamshell foldable, which I love. They announced their new Galaxy Watch 5 Pro and their new Galaxy Watch 5 and their Samsung Buds 2 Pro. So, The biggest thing that came out of this is that, and I'm going to give not only Samsung and not only Apple, not a pass per se, but a little bit of understanding that, you know, we got through the pandemic and we were still seeing like products like, damn, that's crazy. But you had to imagine at least one, maybe in a, a year or somewhere in there, because these products are typically planned out like two, three years ahead of time that maybe you'd feel a little bit of slowdown. I think this is the year that we're seeing the really, really incremental stuff, not only from Samsung, not only from Apple, but from a lot of people in general, although the Pixel is doing some really cool stuff um, from a design standpoint and, and processor standpoint. But the Galaxy Fold 4 is a very incremental update. The processor's bumped. They changed the dimensions a little so it'd be a little wider and come closer to a form factor of when you actually have your phone flat as a phone instead of like that really skinny rectangle um, when it's folded up. But that's not, it's not a big enough change. 
Um, really incremental upgrades on there. Still $1,799, but still the most feature-packed freak of nature mobile device on planet Earth. Um, I really, every time I've used a Fold and reviewed a Fold, I loved it, but I didn't love it for $1,799. If and when Apple makes some kind of foldable, it, it's I'm going to also love it as well. But I, mm, when I think about, okay, fine. As a product review, yes, I'll buy it. But would you pay $1,799 for an Apple foldable over the current candy bar iPhone 13, iPhone 14 that starts at $999 or $1099? Would you really? I mean, I'd be intrigued, but would I all of a sudden jump over to foldable? I don't know. I, I think the biggest issue with foldables is that Samsung makes the best foldable from a functionality standpoint, from a feature standpoint. I think the Oppo Find N is the best designed one because it folded closed. The size is basically similar to like the current phones that we have right now. So it feels natural. And then they have the special mechanism where the screen barely looks like it has a crease. The Samsung's foldables still have a stronger crease, but when you don't get hit by direct sunlight, you don't notice it. But the biggest thing to me for Samsung to make any moves in this market, they have the best foldable product in the market today. They need to lower the price a little bit. Because they keep on throwing all these improvements at it. Is it moving the needle that much? Well, Samsung said, hey, we've shipped and sold three times more foldables this year than last year. Will that number go up three times again from 2020, I guess the results of 2021 to the final sales of 2022? I don't know because they haven't changed the price. The Fold 4 is still $17.99. The Z Flip 4 is still $9.99. Guess which one you see the most of on the market? The Z Flip 4. Every time I see someone with, or the Z Flip 3 at least, every time I see someone with the Z Flip 3, which is the only ones I've seen in, wild, I ask, in the wild, I ask them, do you like it? And they all say, yes, I love it. I love the functionality. I'm like, what would you do if you could make it better? They're like, oh, I wish the camera was better. But why is everyone on the Z Flip 3 more than the Fold? Not only is it smaller, more compact, it's $9.99. It at least doesn't break that psychological $1,000 barrier from a retail standpoint. So for me, if we're going to see any moves, although yes, this is a premium product. Yes, it is a unique product. Guess what? I get it. I think they're both great. But in order for the needle to really move for Samsung and foldables as a whole, you've got to start. You can make it a little more premium than a candy bar phone, but that gap of $9.99 to $17.99 has to close. I think if they, that's still innovative tech. I think that the Flip Z, the clamshell one, Drop it from $9.99 to $8.99. I think you're selling way more units. For the Fold 4, drop it from $17.99. You got to get that thing down to like $14.99 for people to even really start taking it more seriously. Will they do that? I don't know. And I think the biggest thing is that if these are their premium devices or in the premium device category, put the best cameras in them. Put the 10x zoom camera from the S22 Ultra in the Fold 4. Just put your best camera available into those devices. And that also tells the world like, oh, these are our flagship devices. And at the same time, I talk about all this because I care about it and I love what they're doing. Like if you want to say who's doing the most innovative things in the market with phones right now, I'm going with Samsung. But am I switching? No, because there's the ecosystem in play. I'm a content creator. But Apple here is like, "Mm, we'll just wait. We'll play around with our concepts and designs. You know, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the latest report was Apple might do a foldable in three to five years. And quite honestly, I, I, 
until they do it, I don't think people will take them as seriously unless Samsung just comes out with some ridiculous new form factor that's super sleek and thinner and sexier and lighter, and all of a sudden everyone goes, oh my god! I don't know. I just really like what they're doing because it's so unique and different. It's just cool, man. Is, is that okay? Can I just say it? It's just cool. Also, their watch, their watch 5 Pro, they, they knew, look, when you know your competitor is going to probably make a product and they're going to add the word pro to it, guess what? Just beat them to the punch. And that's exactly what Samsung did. They're calling their new watches the Samsung Galaxy Watch 5 and the Watch 5 Pro. And the only difference in their Watch 5 Pro is it it is a slightly bigger watch face. The Galaxy Watch 5, I believe, has a 40 and 44 millimeter watch face. And then the Pro is 45 millimeters. And then the Pro is the only one with titanium finishes. And then they just threw in some specific fitness and an active lifestyle, exercise, biking, turn-by-turn directions, track back directions, software apps that are for more active people on the Pro. It has a slightly more durable Sapphire Crystal face, but Apple's had Sapphire Crystal on their phone, uh, their watches for a while. Basically, it's slightly larger and it's titanium and it has software uh, watch faces that you don't can't get anywhere else, but the functionality is the same. If that's what it takes to be a Pro watch, come on, man. Arguably, you just say it's more durable and a little bigger. And it's funny because those are the rumors with the Apple Watch Pro. Uh, Pro. The Series 8 Pro or whatever they call it, it's rumored to only be titanium finish, be slightly larger <laughs> and durable, maybe have a little more battery life. It also, the Samsung one has the most battery life on the Pro because it's the largest one. They put a larger battery in it. My gosh, that's all it takes to be Pro now. What does the word Pro even mean to anyone now? In the tech world, the, world, the word Pro almost means nothing sometimes. You're just like, okay, it's just the better one, but... There is no distinction of what makes like what makes the iPhone Pro compared to like the iPad Pro to the MacBook Pro. You can't even say it's power for each one. It's like there's just different things that they decide that's different. And for the longest time on the iPhone, what made a the model Pro is that it offered the largest screen size. Well, now the iPhone 14 is expected to get an iPhone 14 Max, which will be the same screen size as the iPhone 14 Pro Max. So what makes it pro? Well, all these other things. I'm just playing around with the idea in my head. Then finally, the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro, whether you care about these or not, they're doing some big special things. They're they're incorporating support for 24-bit audio, high, high fidelity audio. In order for that to happen, the streaming service you listen to has to support it, and it has to be paired specifically with a Samsung device that supports uh, their, their One UI platform. I think One UI uh, 4.0 and higher. It also brings Bluetooth 5.3 for the very first time in wireless earbuds. And that should be a more efficient Bluetooth. But Samsung even teased that, oh, we're going to have a new Bluetooth audio codec that you'll be able to hear eventually. It's coming soon. Bluetooth LE audio is coming soon. So that was kind of really interesting. And then also these new Buds 2 Pro support, Dolby Atmos and 360 audio for spatial audio. These things look killer. They come in my favorite Bora purple. These could, at least right now, from a feature standpoint, because I don't know if Apple's going to do 5.3 Bluetooth. I don't know if Apple's going to support 24-bit audio on their AirPods Pro. And which one will feel more comfortable? Which one will... It also has active noise canceling. Which one will... These could be, I'm just saying right now, and not everyone will try them. These could arguably align themselves as the best 
wireless earbuds of 2022. I believe they have a strong chance to do that. So AirPods Pro 2 coming out sometime this year, expected maybe this fall event coming September. We don't know yet, but we will see very, very soon. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for hanging out. We got to give a shout out to our Apple Platinum Apple supporters at the $100 Patreon level for me. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you, every one of you that continue to listen and continue to support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. And it supports my podcast, the show, my content, my video content, pretty, pretty much everything I do. You guys and gals contribute to allow me to keep on doing this. And I have been able to thanks to you. So that's going to do it for this week. Things are getting hotter. Things are getting hotter. I say that almost every week, but now I really mean it. I, a storm is a coming, and Apple has not given out their official date for their keynote yet. Um, I think last year was either on the 13th or 14th of September, but it could be the let leap over to the third week, which would be like around the 20th or 20, yeah, the 20th or 21st. So we'll see what happens, everybody. But that is going to do it for this week's show. Take care and be safe. You know we're coming back the same bat time, same bat channel, but it's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Take care. Be safe. Peace. Peace.